Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hello and welcome to Israel and You. Israel and You is the media voice of Israel Team Advocates. It's an organization that advocates for the Jewish people on college campuses where we're seeing an exponential rise of anti-Semitism and anti-Judaism. Our work is mainly on evangelical Christian college campuses where the tide is turning against the Jewish people. We have a great program today. Before I introduce our very special guest, I want to tell you about an upcoming event Thursday evening, October 21st in Montgomery, Alabama at Fraser United Methodist Church, 6000 Atlanta Highway. Israel team is sponsoring a night to honor and stand with the Jewish people in the face of such growing anti-Semitism in America. And Christians must not be silent as they were in the Holocaust when their Jewish neighbors were being rounded up and sent to the gas chambers. Silence commands evil to exist. Our guest speaker on October 21st will be Coach Bruce Pearl, head men's basketball coach at Auburn University. Coach Pearl is one of five Jewish coaches in history to reach the final four. He also has a wonderful heart. He's an advocate uh, for the Jewish people and he stands in uh, uh, defiance of the growing anti-Semitism that's rising today. Also speaking that night will be Orthodox Rabbi Scott Kramer and a Southern Baptist pastor Al Jackson who met at Israel Team's spring event, A Night to Honor the Jewish People in uh, Auburn, Alabama, and they built a relationship over the last five or six months, and they have a wonderful story to tell how they connected uh, uh, through this Israel Team event and have just bonded together as an Orthodox rabbi and a Southern Baptist pastor. It's an amazing story. So at this time, I want to introduce our special guest, and it's my honor to have on the show today Professor Susanna Heschel. And Susanna is the Eli Black Professor of Jewish Studies at Dartmouth College. She's the author of Abraham Geiger and the Jewish Jesus and the editor of Moral Grandeur and Spiritual Audacity of an essay of Abraham Joshua Heschel, who is actually her father. And he was a great moral rabbi in America uh, that stood opposed uh, to uh, what was happening during the civil rights movement. He walked with Dr. King and stood side by side with him. And Susanna is a widely published author, and her newest book is The Aryan Jesus, Christian Theologians and the Bible in Nazi Germany. It's a fascinating book that I purchased a few months ago. I'm reading this book, and it's just like a page turner of what really happened in Nazi Germany, why so many Christians and theologians embraced Nazi ideology. And I've invited Susanna to talk to us today about her incredible research that went into this book. So, uh, Professor Heschel, welcome to Israel and You. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, I want to just jump right into this subject because it's to me it's just a fascinating story how you uncovered uh, and, and I'll let you explain, but how you uncovered, you know, the issue of how 
Christian pastors, theologians, basically justified the Holocaust. So how did Protestant theologians and pastors come to that point where they, they justified the Holocaust? And can you give us the backstory of how you uncovered uh, German theologians' claim that Jesus was not even Jewish, they proclaimed that Jesus was Aryan. So jump right in, Professor Heschel. We'd like to hear your story. Thank you very much. So this is a problem that actually has roots in the 19th century. In the last decades in Germany, there was a terrible rise of anti-Semitism. Uh, and um, there was a problem also for Christian theologians who were rebelling, Protestant theologians, rebelling against doctrine. These were uh, more at the liberal end of the theological spectrum. And uh, they didn't want to be confined by church authority. They also combined this, these feelings of rebellion, together with anti-Semitic ideas. They said, for example, that the Old Testament was not the word of God, hmm. but it was a book that the Jews had written. And so they removed it from the Christian Bible. Wow. They, yes. And they, uh, there was in, in this era, so late 19th century and in the first decades of the 20th century, even before Hitler came to power in 1933, there was an effort in Germany to say that Jesus was actually German. Hmm. There was a big best-selling book that argued that. Um, and so they wanted to redefine Jesus. After Hitler came to power, Protestant theologians said, how is it possible for Christians to worship Jesus and be a Nazi and hate Jews? So they decided to issue their own version of the New Testament. They rewrote it entirely, in which they said Jesus was not a Jew. He was an Aryan, which means basically a German. And he actually had come to destroy Judaism, but the Jews had murdered him. And now they argued Hitler had come to take revenge on what the Jews had done to Jesus. Hmm. They talked about they talked about Hitler as Christ. They described him as a Christ figure standing in relation with God the Father as a kind of substitute for Jesus and the Trinity. So Hitler was Christ that God had sent to take revenge on the Jews for what they had done to Jesus. Uh, of course, you know, we know that it was the Romans who crucified Jesus and says right. so in the Bible, but okay. And then they came up with all kinds of other ideas about the danger of Jews to Christians. I'll give you one example. I think everybody knows the verse in Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28. In Christ, there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. So everyone is one in Christ, which traditionally is understood to mean that if you are a Christian, if you are baptized, all are one. All Christians are one. It doesn't matter what your social status is or your gender. Everybody is united through baptism in Christ. But these theologians in Nazi Germany said, oh no, means something else. Galatians 3.28. If you walk into a church and you see the people sitting in the pews, you see that there are men and there are women. That is, they argued, baptism does not certainly does not erase your gender. You remain a man or a woman even after you've been baptized. 
And so they argued, the same is true of your race. If you are black or Asian or Jewish, that's not changed by baptism. And so they argued that Nazi race laws take precedence over the Christian sacrament of baptism. A Jew who's baptized remains a Jew and does not become a Christian. Hmm. So that meant, for example, that there were... There were many Jews in Germany who had been baptized as babies by their parents or had come as adults or teenagers to take baptism, become Christians. They were Catholic. They were Protestant. They were devout. Many sang in church choirs. And yet, in September of 1941, starting at that point, the Nazis made all Jews wear a yellow badge on their clothes, a yellow star. And that included Jews who had been baptized. And so those Jews who were, who were converted, who were Christians, who went to church every Sunday, if not more often, showed up suddenly in church wearing a yellow star on their clothing. And then came complaints. People told them, well, you can no longer sing in the church choir. You can't take communion, the communion rail kneeling next to us. Uh, that people didn't want the pastor touching their children if the pastor had just touched a Jewish child, a converted Jewish child, that is, a Christian who was baptized. So that's just an example uh, of how certain ideas about Jews actually grew to the point where some Christians felt a physical revulsion against Jews and were willing to abandon, excuse me, they were willing to abandon the fundamental principle of Christianity, which is that baptism is a sacrament that makes you a Christian. They abandoned it and said a Jew, and this included Asians and blacks, if you were baptized, you were still not a Christian. At most, Asians and, and Africans, black Africans, I know there were missionaries who would go, they had to have separate churches. These people argued you couldn't let them into, into German churches. Let them have their own church somewhere in Africa and Asia. So those were the kinds of arguments that were made. I remember reading a quote uh, by Adolf Hitler who said, by defending myself against the Jews, I'm fighting for the work of Jesus Christ. And, and you know, reading your book and and. Others book, other books that have come before, uh, like the Holy Third Reich, it just you know opened my mind to, to understand how quickly uh, German Christianity embraced you know an eliminationist ideology, especially with with guys like Gerard Kittel, who wrote in 1933, I think it was Professor Heschel, that uh, you know we've got to deal with the Jewish problem. And so, um, how did you? come to the point where you uncovered all this information about this institute? Well, you know, it's interesting that uh, there is a huge amount of scholarship, books and books and articles, so many, hundreds, thousands, that were written about what happened to the churches during the Nazi period, in the, right after the war already. And yet no one had written about this aspect of it. And it was only in the 1990s that this began to be a topic for me and also for a colleague, friend of mine, Doris Bergen, 
who also was looking into this, how one can, I can understand, anybody could understand logically why a devout Christian would oppose the Nazis. They would oppose murder of the innocent people. They would oppose torture, concentration camps. Of course you're against that if you're a Christian. This is not how a Christian behaves. So that we can understand, and a lot had been written about Christians who opposed the Nazis, and there were many. Many more would have been vocal in their opposition, but they were terrified, of course. But then what we couldn't understand was why a devout Christian, a theologian, a bishop, a pastor, why would they support Hitler and give Christian justification to Hitler? And that's what is so bizarre. Why would you do that? Now, what's what's important to, to perhaps recognize is something that I discovered and shocked me. I began to look for information about all of this, and people told me, senior professors said, oh, there is nothing, it was just a small group, very marginal, unimportant, don't waste your time. But I began to investigate in German archives, and I traveled around Germany. Year after year, I would go, if I had a grant, and I would spend a month, and I would go to different archives. And everywhere I went, I found information about these especially Protestant theologians who were supporting Hitler, who were holding rallies, giving lectures, publishing things. So I gathered the material over time, and I was really astonished by it because, as it turns out, the theologians were really ignored by Hitler. He didn't need theologians for the war. He needed, I don't know, military people, scientists, and so on, but not theologians. But it was the theologians who wanted to be involved, who wanted to be the sense big shots they wanted to march in nazi parades they were the ones pushing it and they were more involved than any other academic group it's an amazing story and and you uncovered it and you uncovered this institute to eradicate you know all jewish thought and influence on german christianity and when we come back from the break i would like to know how influential was this movement uh, in, in German Christianity during the Holocaust? I mean, how widespread was it? And if it's your belief that this ideology of this institute to eradicate Jewish thought from German Christianity is still affecting uh, Christian thought today. But we'll talk about those issues and other issues when we come back from the break uh, with Dr. Susanna Heschel. See you on the other side. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, President of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. 
One such group, the Telos Group, is funding all expense-paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies about the Jewish people and the land, and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God is building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section, and you can give securely online. Be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt. You can also mail your donation to Israel Team. Find our address on our website, israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back. And our special guest today is Professor Susanna Heschel. And we are talking about her new book, The Aryan Jesus. And before the break, Dr. Heschel, we were, we were talking about the influence of this institute upon German Christianity. So the question is I have for you is, you know, how widespread was this institute to eradicate uh, Jewish thought from uh, German Christianity? Well, it's... Um, I would say, first of all, the version of the New Testament that they published was sold to quite a few churches around Germany. We don't have precise numbers, but we know that about 600,000 copies were printed. They also published their own hymnal in which they removed Hebrew words such as hallelujah. They did not want to say amen in church, but people were so used to wow. saying amen, it was difficult to change that. Uh, they had a catechism in which they defined Jesus as an Aryan and so on. So there were pastors and bishops from churches all over the country who were involved. But I think that would just be a more of an, let's say, an institutional answer to your question. The other issue would really be, how does this kind of propaganda seep into people's minds, even if they haven't read the book or listened to a speaker about this? And that's where a professor of mine uh, inspired me, David Bonkier at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, uh, had talked about this. How were Jews who, had, who were Christians, that is, how were Christians who were Jews by race, according to the Nazis, but Christians by Christian doctrine, because they had been baptized, how were they received by other Christians? And that's the question. And that's where you see the problem that that Nazi race ideas, that is, even if you're baptized, a Jew is a Jew. That's, that's what people seem to be uh, affected by. And certainly by the war years, that was true. Now, of course, not everybody, but I think it was pretty widespread. And that, in my opinion, is not only an assault against Jews, but it's an, also an assault against Christianity by Christians abandoning their own faith. And one should never let 
a government or a political ideology do that? I think it's, would it be called the, the bandwagon effect or groupthink that it just seemed like, you know, the majority of Christians just embraced Nazi ideology, maybe out of fear or, you know, maybe they at heart were anti-Semites. What do you think? Many, many motivations because we're talking about 60 million people. But uh, I think the bottom line is that they were too willing to put their religion in the hands of uh, a horrible government. Uh, What allows people to do that? That is, faith is given to us to be protected by us. We are not religious people in order to uh, allow a government to come in and alter our faith and alter our beliefs. We have to stay loyal to the Bible itself. We may interpret things a bit differently, but to rewrite the Bible, to rewrite the hymnal with the only purpose being and any possible Jewishness, like the word hallelujah. Right. After all, Jesus was a Jew. So was Paul. They removed Paul from the Bible as well. So do you think this ideology of this institute to disconnect from all Jewish thought and values and moral principles, do you think it's having an effect even on Christianity today? Because it seems to me that the Institute is still alive and well. There's, there's a major evangelical pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, who came out recently and said, it is time for us to disconnect from the Old Testament. It sounds like this Institute, disconnect from the Old Testament and disconnect from all Jewish morals, principles, and values of the Old Testament, and we do not need to practice uh, the Ten Commandments. He said that very boldly. He said, we do not need to practice the Ten Commandments. Those are Old Testament commandments. Uh, we're in the New Testament, so they have re- they're rejecting this, and that, that principle, that ideology of rejecting the Old Testament as it was in Nazi Germany, it seems to be spreading through American theological institutions today. So do you think the Institute still has an effect on Christianity today? I'm afraid you're right. And I find it appalling. I can't imagine how someone would say that the Ten Commandments are to be rejected. Do not murder. Do not steal. I I don't understand that at all. Uh, I, I think that the Ten Commandments are God's gift to us. Uh, and I, I certainly can't imagine how someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus would say such a thing. For such a long time, we've understood that the New Testament is built on the foundation of the Old Testament. What does it mean to say Jesus Christ? Christ is Messiah. Well, what's a Messiah? Messiah we understand from, from the Hebrew Bible, from the words of the prophets. Why would anyone want to abandon that? abandon the Psalms, abandon the words of the prophets, abandon Ecclesiastes. This is a great gift to humanity. Absolutely. And, but we're seeing that. And, and I think my fear is um, because the, you know, in, the, in Christianity today, uh, it's called progressive Christianity. And there's this movement within progressive Christianity to basically rewrite 
uh, the Bible and to reject you know, the commandments, you know, the principles of uh, and values from the Old Testament, but also to reject, you know, the commandments of Jesus in the New Testament. And it's kind of like, you know, what happened in Nazi Germany, we're just kind of cherry picking the scripture and choosing the things that, you know, we want to hear. Um, maybe like the, the 23rd Psalm seems nice. We'll keep that one in, but we'll, we'll leave out other, other scriptures that might, you know, uh, you know, call us to righteous living or to, you know, practice civility towards our neighbors. So I, I fear that we're kind of like in Christianity today, especially in America back in the 1930s in, in Germany where, you know, this, uh, the Nazis called it uh, positive Christianity. It's just been repackaged today as progressive Christianity. So that's my concern. Well, I'm concerned about that as well. And I find that terribly unfortunate, especially because when I was growing up, my father, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, was a Jewish theologian who had escaped Nazi Germany and come to the United States and forged close friendships with Christian theologians. He was involved with Protestants and with Catholics, and he sought ways in which we can support one another in our faith. My father wrote an important book on the prophets, and he certainly felt it would be a disaster for Christians for them to rob themselves of the Hebrew Bible, which is, in Christianity, also the Word of God. So I, I don't know if this is a rebellion against Christianity, a rebellion against God. I don't know what people think they are going to achieve with this, but I, I, uh, I find it very disturbing. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I spoke with a, I won't mention the denomination, but a major U.S. denomination um, pastor, uh, Ph.D. theologian, and uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, in his denomination, he says, I really cannot say that it's Christianity any longer. What they're teaching and proclaiming is no longer Christianity. And I think there's a lot of Christians that would probably say the same thing about maybe a denomination they're involved in. So there's a, there's a shift happening in this country. And, the, you know, the sad thing is that um, as well as, as rejecting, you know, godly principles, Old Testament principles, um, as well as that happening, there's this rise of replacement theology, which teaches that, uh, you know, God has rejected the Jew and the church is now the new Israel. That's a whole other, you know, war going on uh, within our seminaries and colleges. It's, it's being proclaimed in the seminaries and then spreading to the pulpits across America. So I just so appreciate you being involved in this. You know, it's, it's really a, trying to turn the tide um, of, of, of thought in this day. And I appreciate your book, Professor Heschel, The Aryan Jesus, Christian Theologians and the Bible in Nazi Germany. And I'll say to the audience, if you, if you want to really read a fascinating book, I would encourage you to uh, you can go to Amazon and order this book. And it's historically enriching. And it really paints a pattern of what's happening in Christianity today. So thank you so much for being with us, uh, Dr. Heschel. And I'd love to have you back on uh, soon. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be with you. And I appreciate 
the discussion. Thank very you much. so much.